0: Grace, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Today's parable really needs no introduction. Now usually when I say that, when I say something needs no introduction, I mean it's, it's a story that we're used to, we're accustomed to, we, we, we read it at night to our children, our, we've heard about it so many times in Sunday school that it's just something that we're just used to. That's not what I mean this morning. No, this morning, when I say that this parable needs no introduction, I mean because it's a parable that frustrates us. It's a parable that's hard to comprehend and and, and really hard to understand. In fact, it's a parable that we all too often actually avoid. We probably never heard it in Sunday school. And maybe even as we got older, we read through it, just became confused and moved on it's a parable that's gone down in, well, infamy. What are we supposed to do with this? What are we supposed to do? What's the point of the story? The master commends the servant for being dishonest. It's almost like he's acting like dishonesty is a virtue. And what about Jesus? Make friends by unrighteous wealth? What are we supposed to do with that? How are we supposed to handle this? And so we're left with questions hard questions, difficult questions about what to do with this parable. And so I say, this parable needs no introduction. We're aware of it. We just don't always like it. In my opinion, this parable makes a lot better sense if we look at context and just a few key elements, and I think it makes a lot better sense. The first thing is context. Now, we actually started this last week, but last week in chapter 15, verse 1, the tax collectors and sinners began to approach Jesus, Jesus who was by the Pharisees and the, the, the chief priests, the, the ones at the temple, and Jesus begins to talk. And he begins by telling parables, but he doesn't just tell one parable. He tells four parables. And each one gets weirder and weirder as they go. The first parable, the, the shepherd that has a hundred sheep, And he abandons 99 of them to go searching for the one. And what does he do when he finally gets back? He throws this big, lavish party with all of his friends where he probably has to provide food, and he probably actually has to slaughter one of his sheep in order to provide. It's weird. The second story just keeps getting weirder. A woman loses a coin. She sweeps her house diligently. She finally finds the coin, and she again gathers all of her friends together and spends probably twice as much as the coin is worth throwing a party for everybody because she found the one coin. It's weird. And then the third one, the one that we leapt over, the prodigal son, a one that we're all very familiar with, a son who approaches his father and basically asks his father to pretend he's dead so that he can have his inheritance. He goes and he, he squanders it off. And then after he's left, broke, and with nothing left, he decides to come back home. And the father, who should be absolutely irate, who should disown his son, who should cast him out, does the unthinkable. He brings him back. He restores him. He throws, again, a lavish party. In fact, he throws such a lavish party that the other brother is offended and causes even more insult to the father. Three parables back to back to back, each one getting stranger, each one getting weirder. And then we have today's, the fourth and the weirdest yet, if we should say so. But notice something. Notice something in the text. It does, right in verse 1, right in verse 1, Jesus turns. He's not talking to the Pharisees anymore. He's not talking to the tax collectors and the sinners. No, Jesus now turns to his disciples and it's to his disciples that he begins to talk and he begins to tell this parable and we he tells this parable about this this manager who does this dishonest thing but jesus is talking to the disciples and he is talking to them ultimately about how the pharisees are acting You see, all too often, we get caught off guard by verse 8 and 9. It's in verse 8 that the master commends this dishonest manager. And we immediately think that the the master is commending him for his dishonesty, but he's not. He's actually commending him for his shrewdness. It's why we get this, this parable, sometimes gets the title of the shrewd manager. He's commending him for his wisdom with how he acted. See, the manager is no dummy. He likes the business sense of this. He wants to see how he can utilize that wisdom for his own gain, for his own work as he moves ahead. But then Jesus says something in verse 9. He says, gain friends for yourself, and it says, unrighteous wealth. That's what it says, unrighteous wealth. But that's the NIV, ESV, and a whole number of others. About the only one I could find that really gets this right is actually the King James Version. Unrighteous mammon. That is to say, the things of this world, the materials of this world. Gain friends for yourself through this idea of of unrighteous mammon, this unrighteous things of this world. But remember, Jesus is speaking and directing it towards the Pharisees. And what have the Pharisees done? The Pharisees have been controlling the things of God, the temple. And here in a little bit, they're going to have a chance to deal with God himself. And they have been dishonest with even these small things. And now they're going to get a chance to deal with God himself. And how do you think they are going to act? How do you think they're going to deal with God himself, honestly or dishonestly? But you see, part of our issue is that we take verse 9 and we assume that that's the point of the parable. It's not. What follows, starting in verse 10, is the point of the parable, and it's the point that Jesus is ultimately directing towards His disciples. Even when it comes to things like mammon, the things of this world, the disciples are called to live a righteous life. They are called to act and to be honest and righteous, even with the things of this world, even with this idea of unrighteous mammon. They are as Christians, are called to a life of righteousness. And so it is that we too, as Christians, as God's children, are called to a life of righteousness. No matter what we're dealing with, even if we're dealing with something like the materials of this world, even if we're dealing with something like unrighteous wealth, we as Christians are called to a life of righteousness. We are called to act in a way that is in keeping with God's Word but we're going to fail. We're not going to succeed. We're going to venture out there, and we're going to try to live a life that is good and God-pleasing. We're going to try to live a life that is filled with righteousness, and we're going to end up sinning. And we're going to sin again and again and again. But when we wake up in the morning, And when we venture outside, we're going to try even harder. We're going to try again and again. To put this in, dare I say, Lutheran terms, we sometimes call it saint and sinner at the same time. That is to say, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we have been cleansed by the very blood of Christ. We are forgiven of our sins. We are righteous in the eyes of God, but yet we are still sinners. We still fall and we still fail. One of the distinctive differences is as Christians, we repent. We turn from our sin. We do not wake up in the morning and go, I'm going to sin a bunch today. No. We wake up in the morning and we say, I'm going to try not to sin. And we venture out there and we try and try and try to live a good, God-pleasing and righteous life, knowing that when we do fail, knowing that when we do sin, that we have forgiveness. We have forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have forgiveness through what Christ has done for us. That he put himself in the hands of dishonest managers. He put himself in the hands of people that acted unrighteously. And through what they did, he has granted us forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, Keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, please.